Soulmates, welcome to your Monday. We are busting at the seams with so much to talk about. A lot happened over the weekend, So too. much happened this yeah. weekend. Including the sports announcer who's now issuing an apology after saying the N-word on air and our guy, Ben Crump, who is suing Morgan Stanley for discrimination. Welcome to Fox News Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Delay-Corte, plus the trio that's reportedly teaming up to purchase BET. And the leaders who are placing more focus on mental health, they're the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top story for today. Let's go to California, where the Reparations Task Force approved recommendations on how to compensate and apologize to black residents for harm caused by discriminatory policies. Now, the proposals include creating an agency for descendants of enslaved people and cash compensation for eligible residents. The recommendations now go to state lawmakers for reparations legislation. U.S. Representative Barbara Lee called on states and federal government to pass re uh, reparations legislation. So uh, this talk is like heating up. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about reparations almost every show now, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a major step forward. And a lot of people across the country, a lot of uh, organizers, mm -hmm. racial justice organizers paying extra close attention to, well, what does California do? Mm -hmm. um, you know, this has been uh, at least a couple years in the making, the study of, you know, what would California do, the state of California do um, in the name of reparations. And so lots of recommendations have now been sent over to the legislature. Now it's up to the legislators yeah, yeah. Uh, to decide, you know, what is that going to look like in the form of legislation? A lot of people pay paying close attention to, well, what's that dollar amount going to mm -hmm. be, right? Yeah. You know, and, and if not a dollar amount, you know, what does that look like in terms of, of services, yeah. you know, specifically directed to black folks in California? And as those policies continue to crystallize, you know, who gets it? There's a whole nother conversation yeah. as to, to actually who gets it. My only concern is with everybody having their own agenda, how do I want anybody left out? You know, if you deserve reparations, I'm gonna need for you to get it. And so that's my only concern. I actually wonder if there's any coordination happening between the state and local governments, because in addition to, you know, the state of California has been mm -hmm. studying, you know, what reparations could look like, there are cities like San Francisco and mm -hmm. Palm Springs mm -hmm. that are also looking at their own separate proposals. And so we'll see how this comes together yeah, or not. Yeah, man, you'll see. Well, the Alabama Republican Party is calling for an apology from Democratic lawmaker Representative Wandalyn Given after she referenced a Jay-Z song containing the N-word during a debate on parental rights. Representative Kenneth Paschal, the only black Republican in the House, was present during the exchange, but Given did not directly call him the word. The Alabama Republican Party condemned Given's, quote, inappropriate statements and demanded an apology, but Given refused and called on the party to apologize to her for hurtful and demeaning actions towards black people. Pashal defended himself, saying he would not be bullied into apologizing for his beliefs. Hmm. Um, he said, he, he said, I said what I said. I said what I said. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, quoting the lyrics, you know, do you really have to charge them, you know, with the traditional way in which people use the n-word if you will when i say traditional usually it's like a slip of the tongue or something you know racially based or you know it's it's like a jab uh i i don't know i i don't know i just i know we just need to you know figure out 
this this n-word thing you know in regards to who uses it when we use it is it okay if we quote something is it okay if you know a white boy is sitting in his car and he's you know rattling off lyrics and it says the n-word and and it goes viral like it's just a lot of gray area with this n-word you know? yeah i mean i think she was really just communicating that look you know uh all skin folk and kin folk, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even though she's a member of the legislature, mm -hmm. she's not treated the same as her other colleagues. And so she was trying to, you know, use this this song as an example, as an example to, mm -hmm. to communicate that, you know. But you know, should, don't they have better things to do, like focus on uh, trying to ban sure assault weapons, sure they so do. we can keep our kids safe? Sure, like, they do. Focus on that. Yeah. All right. Texas Senator Ted Cruz's campaign sent a message to supporters announcing that far left Democrat. Colin Allred is running against him in 2024. However, the message included a photo of Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg instead of Allred. Allred is a former NFL player and Democratic representative. He announced his uh, challenge to Cruz this week. Uh, he flipped a red district blue and is a prolific fundraiser. Meanwhile, Cruz's campaign skills appear to be slipping and the mix up suggests that the race may be an interesting ride or that Cruz is just as dismissive and 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 checked out and disconnected as his track record shows him to be. I mean, these two <laughs> don't look anything alike. Which happens to be the argument that Representative Allred has been making in yes. his campaign ads is that, you know, Ted Cruz is asleep at the switch, you know, that he is more focused on being on TV and, you know, being perceived as a leader in these culture wars mm -hmm. uh, than he is interested in governing and doing the work on behalf of the people of Texas. And so yeah. this is going to be an interesting race. This is, you know, Colin Allred's first statewide run. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's, he's been in Congress for a little little bit, uh, but he is, uh, he's made a little bit of a name for himself. And so, you know, we'll see how much traction he gets. We can do a side by side, the Manhattan DA and this guy here, it's side by side, houseway, how? Well, you know, <laughs> when, when we all look alike, well, you don't know the difference. Well, just saying. Uh, President Joe Biden has nominated Damian Diggs to be the United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Texas, making him the first black person to hold the position if confirmed. Diggs would be responsible for enforcing federal law in the district, which includes 43 counties. He was recommended for the job by Senators Ted Cruz and John Cornyn and has experience prosecuting bank fraud and child pornography cases. Diggs is currently the assistant U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Texas and is also the Project Safe Neighborhoods Coordinator for his office. So let's go to New York now where attorneys for Daniel Penny, that is the Marine veteran who put street performer Jordan Kelly or Jordan Neely rather in a fatal chokehold, released a statement offering condolences to Neely's family and claiming that Penny acted in self-defense. Now the statement alleges that Neely had a history of violent and erratic behavior due to untreated mental illness and that Penny and other passengers acted to protect themselves when Neely became aggressive. Neely's family's are attorney confirmed that uh, he had a history of mental health struggles. A medical examiner did rule Neely's death a homicide. A grand jury is expected to review the case to determine if Penny will face charges. 
Wanda Cooper Jones, the mother of Ahmaud Arbery, kept her son's memory alive by hosting the inaugural Run with Mod 5K in Atlanta in partnership with the Atlanta Track Club and the Ahmaud Arbery Foundation over the weekend. Thousands of runners participated in the event, which raised funds to provide mental health resources for black boys between the ages of 10 and 18. The foundation was launched by Cooper Jones in 2020 after her son was fatally shot by three white men while out for a jog in Brunswick, Georgia. The men were convicted of his racially motivated murder in 2022 and were sentenced to prison. All right, keeping that legacy alive. Coming up, 50 Cent is looking to add even more to his portfolio. That's right, we'll tell you exactly what he's looking to purchase along with two others. Hmm, hmm. I wonder what that could be. Hmm. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, there's a new jobs report that shows unemployment among black Americans dropped to a record low in April. That's good news. Mm -hmm. This uh, marks the first time in history where black unemployment has been this close to white unemployment. Now, last month, the rate fell to 4.7% uh, for the first time to uh, ever being this, this low, actually. However, experts say the black employment rate is volatile, meaning it's going up and down due to the black population being much smaller in comparison. That's right. Experts also say that the current rate reflects a heavy white baby boomer generation that is increasingly leaving the workforce. I mean, the quarter light, it's, it's good news. You know, the fact that, you know, we're, we're raising up, mm -hmm. they're coming down. I don't want to say that's good news for them, but the fact that we're coming up from the bottom, uh, that's still a problem for me. And, and it also still leaves a lot of questions as to why uh, we're always at the bottom and sort of kind of remain at the bottom when it comes to black unemployment. So for me, with, with this report, mixed reviews, glad to see the increase, but we're coming from the bottom, which leaves a lot of questions still to be answered. Lots of questions, but you know, this sort of increase does not happen by itself. Mm. You know, this is a, a record. It is an endorsement of some of the policies that have been afoot. And yeah. this hasn't been easy because we're, we're still coming out of some of the darkest days mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it took a pandemic and it took, you know, really a new administration in place mm -hmm. uh, to champion policies that focused on racial equity, right? That focused on, you know, the middle class, well, it seems that trickle-down economics yeah. doesn't work so well, but uh, uh, what they're doing right now is having a meaningful effect. It's making a material difference in the job prospects of black folks. But it also seems like the, the white population drop has a lot to do with something being more along the lines of, of, of voluntarily sp speaking. You know, the baby boomers are deciding to, to pack up and, and leave the workforce. That's, that's kind of a choice, almost like a luxury, where uh, we, you know, because of where we still sit, you know, financially in our mindset and, and, and just the disadvantages, mm -hmm. you know, we, we work to, to the death sometimes. But, you know, you also know? also remember the economy is changing, right? Mm -hmm. The economy of today is not the economy of 10 years ago mm -hmm. or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, think about, you know, all of the, the digital inclusion efforts that are afoot, right? I mean, how many people, you know, have jobs as social media managers, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That didn't happen 10 years well, ago. Didn't exist. Where people were able to make a living <laughs> yeah. being a social media 
media manager, right. for example, right? right? Think about how many folks have online businesses, mm -hmm. you know, where we can go to shop for products and services online on Etsy and other places. And so sure. I think that's also having an effect in terms of uh, the positive black employment in this country. And uh, I'm, I, I, I hope we can see it continue to yeah. grow. Again, love the stats, but let's stay cautious, though, black folks. Let's stay cautious. All right, let's move on here. As Morgan Stanley is set to lay off thousands, attorney Ben Crump is suing the company over racial discrimination. Crump says the company has a long pattern of systemic racial discrimination. The suit was filed last week on behalf of a recruiter who was tasked with, quote, hiring black talent for the financial firm for the for seven years. The employee who is black says only 16 out of the 200 high qualified candidates he found were hired for management roles. And I mean, this is a conversation that's just been ongoing for the ages, if yeah. you will. And it transcends industry. I mm -hmm. mean, there are lots of different industries where historically uh, their upper management has not reflected the consumers mm -hmm. uh, that they are reaching out to and, and trying to win the business of. It does not reflect the diversity of our country. And so, you know, today it's Morgan Stanley in the news, you know, but we could easily take Morgan Stanley's name out of that and mm -hmm. insert, yeah. you know, the name of, of another uh, corporate giant. Well, on the flip side of that, it's so interesting. I just had a phone call with a girlfriend of mine who is a high-ranking official for, uh, let's just say, a, a well-known media company. And she, her concern is that, you know, when she talks to her interns, when she tries to recruit, especially from HBCUs, she doesn't see those students being as well-prepared as the other ones. And sometimes it, it forces her to, you know, make decisions that she really does not want to make because she wants to see her people, you know, succeed and, and land some of these paid internships. But you can't show up, you know, in your hoodie. And, and just because it's, it's um, you know, at home based, you know, you just can't, you know, not have your camera on. So she talked a lot and invented a lot about the lack of preparation. And she's mm -hmm. almost, you know, ready to go to her people and say, hey, you know, let's form a program that helps uh, these young black people be more prepared and, and be more highly competitive with, with the others who are vying for these same jobs mm -hmm. and, and internships in particular. But you know, this case is, it's, it's a major focus on management, mm -hmm. right? And so we'd like to thank for people who have been with a company or organization long enough to be able to compete for a management role mm -hmm. or been in an industry long enough to be able to compete for a management role, why is it that you know, we see such a disparity mm -hmm. you know, in terms of who's at the top, you know, who has these opportunities to advance, right? And so at some point, we've got to say you know, a, a dozen or so people out of 200 folks yeah. you know, um, you know, being hired for management roles, that's not good enough. And so you know, if Morgan Stanley knows, knows any better, yeah. you know, uh, you know, they, will, uh, they will really lead on this. And, and I agree as a Opposed to to sparring uh, with Ben Crump and others on this, but there's always always a start, and and if the pool is limited from jump because these black students aren't prepared, then when it gets to the level we're speaking of, there's no one to pull from when it comes to management. Yeah, but I, but I also think there are some folks in management that get stuck on this idea that black folks aren't prepared, right? Well, you know, black folks aren't any less prepared than white folks, mm -hmm. right? Um, I have certainly seen a number of white folks get hired. Quote, 
quotes on potential, mm -hmm. right? Uh, whereas black folks got to walk in there, you got to have your credentials, you got to have your references, you know, die, I's dotted, T's crossed. And so I think we have allowed folks to get away with the, well, I just can't find any qualified applicants argument mm -hmm. far too long. And I think the Ben Crump suit is at least calling uh, Morgan Stanley oh, yeah. on the carpet for it. It's definitely legit, legit, and I don't negate that. However, I also think another part, a component of the conversation is our our uh, black students, you know, who are getting ready to come into this corporate field, are they prepared enough to be highly uh, competitive with uh, folks who are maybe better prepared uh, by the folks who are doing the hiring uh, than, 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 our, than our young people? That's, I just think it's a, it's a part of the conversation. You're right. I think it's got to be all of the above. Absolutely. Yes. Well, we agree to disagree. <laughs> well, we kind of agree. I know. Sort of kind of. <laughs> a decision on what to do with $1.3 billion of unsold Yeezy merchandise could be coming soon from Adidas. The company has been sitting on the stock for almost seven months since it cut ties with Ye. The leftover merchandise is worth an estimated $1.3 billion. Adidas did not say if destroying the shoes was ruled out, but the CEO says that they are trying to avoid it. So we know that Adidas is a, is a worldwide company, and in Germany alone, uh, when you put the euro up against the dollar, there's about $441 million uh, worth of Adidas. Um, That's a lot of they, Adidas. They, they have a, not a surplus, but they just don't know what to do with. Donate it. Look, Adidas ain't going nowhere. You will make that $441 million up. You know, over there in Germany, you've got all kind of soldiers who may be in need of some 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 shoes. You know, I don't know if they have a homelessness issue. Send them to Africa. You know, those folks could always, you Europe and them, old Africa, any, all kinds of things anyway. So, so I just don't understand what, what the problem is. You know, donate and move on. You've broken ties with mm -hmm. Yeezy and, and figure something else out. But it shouldn't be that much of a difficult decision to know what to do with you know extra Yeezys yeah well but I wonder I wonder if part of the challenge because yay has been in the headlines um, for what feels like a lot of the wrong reasons for so long mm -hmm. and and yay has has become you know such a lightning rod mm -hmm. right even if you donated the shoes are people gonna take the shoes or people go, are people gonna people wear the who shoes? need them you got to be strategic as to who you're gonna donate them to I just said soldiers because it, I, this story is based out of Germany store soldiers you can send them over to Africa we, we can never repay the motherland or, or or you know maybe a homeless population or someone in need I don't some kids graduating I don't know there's plenty to do with some extra Yeezys if you don't want to be bothered with them anymore mm -hmm. well, <laughs> that's all I'm saying let me just tell you well Yeezys is about to be that's gonna be the clearance sale <laughs> of a lifetime all around over the, the world, world. <laughs> yeah. all right when it comes to rescuing the culture the list of stars wanting to buy BET just got longer sources say you might have heard this over the weekend 50 Cent Shaq and blackish creator Kenya Barris have teamed up to express their interest in the network. Paramount Global has not said how much they want for BET. Just after the company announced it would possibly sell, Atlanta-based mogul uh, Tyler Perry, we talked about Byron Allen, and even Diddy throwing in uh, their hats to this ring.
What do you think? I mean, I think this is an exciting time. I think it's exciting to see so many black folks in the position to in the position to the be able yeah. to buy mm -hmm. BET mm -hmm. from Paramount. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you who's not selling uh, a BET on clearance is <laughs> Paramount. It's Paramount. <laughs> right. But the, the Yeezys might be on clearance. BET's not on clearance. But they haven't said how much they want for it. Here's the thing. I say, since there's so many black folks in position to buy, you know, let's, let's make it a cultural thing. Let's do this money pool. You know how the families do. Cast and every, everybody gets to own BET for about a month. You know, maybe, you know, North Philly, South Dallas gets to own BET for a month outside of Chicago and just rotate the ownership. And I say that because, again, it's great that these uh, folks are in position to buy uh, BET. And it sounds like it's going to be um, a multifaceted type of new ownership. And uh, we hope it, it stays black and that because of that, it it continues, the network continues to speak to, you know, what we like. I, I think BET has been off ever since, you know, they stopped mm -hmm. doing the, 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 the uh, bios, uh, movies, biopics, like New Edition, I mean, hits, those were huge mm -hmm. hits. We gotta get back to the stories that matter to us, and hopefully with this new ownership, whoever it may be, uh, we can get back to that. I think it's also gonna be important that whoever purchases BET knows what to do with it, mm -hmm. right? Um, there, there are plenty of stories of folks who have gone on the build networks I'm thinking of the own network the Oprah Winfrey network mm -hmm. and you know Oprah's been very public about how hard those first five years were mm -hmm. you know to to run a network to stand up a network and so um, you know even if they're looking to relaunch BET and reimagine mm -hmm. BET that is that is not um, a small task yeah. and so you know I love that there are groups of folks groups of, of black folks that are coming together uh, and leading the charge to purchase BET mm -hmm. um, and it, let's also you know make note it's going to be important as to well how much of a stake do they purchase in BET from Paramount right so are do they become majority owners mm -hmm. minority owners we know that there are big differences in terms of how much change you can create yeah you know whether or not you are the majority owner or a minority but I think owner. my money pool uh, scenario went went over your head like like let's say everybody own BET for like a month you know you rotate the money <laughs> pool everybody oh you I get it you. okay I heard you you was, I think, you was I thinking really it. hard I, I was like it. you're not getting my my what my little joke here I, do, I got I it. want to own BET for them. We can just pass that thing around in different sides of town. South Philly, I mean North Philly. The Bay. The Bay, Detroit, right. Detroit. of course, East and West Side when it comes to Detroit. Just pass that thing around. I bet you it'd get good at that point. It'd be some of everything on BET. <laughs> I think you're on to something. Maybe. All right. <laughs> Still ahead, taking health more seriously in mm -hmm. the black community. Yeah, so when we come back, Soulmates, we speak to Natalie Patterson of Being. That's an organization committed to healing, wellness, and liberation of folks like you and me. Stay close. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, there's a lot of debate over what should happen to the Oakland A's broadcaster, Glenn Kuyper. Yeah, the sports broadcaster remains suspended for uttering a racial slur during a game against the Kansas City Royals. Take a listen. We had a phenomenal day today. League Museum and Arthur Bryant's Park. Welcome back to Coppin Stadium. I just wanted to, a little bit earlier in the show, I said something didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to, um, and I just wanted to apologize if, if, it, uh, if it sounded different than I meant it 
to be said. Yeah, so he was kind of wrapping up the day and the comment was made during Friday's pregame show while talking about his visit to Kansas City's Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. So you can kind of, you know, imagine what he actually said. The, uh, he apologized for the remark in the sixth inning, but was suspended uh, and continues to be uh, suspended indefinitely. I just don't understand how you make a mix up like that. I mean, those are two very different The N word and Negro, right? yeah. And, yeah. He, and, and he is an accomplished broadcaster. He's been broadcasting mm -hmm. Oakland A's games for a long time, as mm -hmm. I understand it. Uh, and so, um, you know, one might say it was a slip of the tongue. I would say that's a heck of a slip of, slip of the tongue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, feels a little more like a Freudian slip. That's not I'm even just saying. That's not even tomato tomato. That's not even vase or vase. You know, those are two totally different words. But on the other side of the argument, there are a lot of people out here using the N word. There's a viral video right now where young, they they, they look very young, black student, uh, young male is confronting a young white student for using the N word. But while he's reprimanding the white student, he's using the N word. Like, you know, like, you know, why you say this N word? Why you, what's up N word? I'm like, but you're reprimanding this, this reprimanding this, this young white uh, male for using that. And then there's a, a Fox uh, announcer uh, on uh, radio and Fox One Sports who had a barbershop moment while talking about, you know, the NBA and the very close game and all the excitement surrounding uh, the wins over the uh, weekend. And he used the N-word. He's a brother. He was uh, talking with two other uh, white uh, co-hosts. And it was just kind of this slip. And I know that they heard it, but the conversation continues. So, you know, we have to really, you know, think about how we're using the word as well. Now, there's no excuse for this particular uh, broadcaster in Kansas City, but the word was used quite often over the weekend. All you gotta do is pay attention to social media. It'll show it, it'll show it, tell everything. I'm just saying that, that language is, is really troublesome. And, you know, I don't know, I'm just sort of bothered by the fact that, that when he apologized, you know, if anybody was offended, mm -hmm. if. Mm -hmm. What do you mean if, if anybody was, you know what you said. Yeah. If yeah, that just that didn't feel like a real genuine apology. It felt like I have management breathing down my neck, and so let me read what they told me to say. And it felt real comfortable. It was. It, it yeah. felt real comfortable, as if this word is used often, and, and it, he just slipped up and used it in in the broadcast. But it was very very comfortable. And the guy beside him, I don't know if he heard it or just wanted to keep it moving, but uh, the way it landed uh, on his co-host uh, was a little was a little natural too, because. I, I, you know, it would have jarred me. You would think it would jar somebody because either you about to go down with somebody, you know, guilty by association, or you stop and say, hey, you know, I know you did. You, did you really mean to use that word? I don't know. I just think it could have been handled differently on air. He did not recognize it or acknowledge it until the sixth inning. Yeah, the sixth inning. Yeah, and, about, and, you know, baseball lasts. A baseball game lasts about 15 hours. So, well, you I know, mean, half well, the day is done by the time you acknowledged it. But you know what? I think this is an opportunity. It's a teachable moment. Mm. I think in terms of repairing the harm, there's an opportunity for them to actually diversify the broadcasters uh, over at the Oakland A's, right? Uh -huh. and, and so, and maybe, you know, if if there was a little bit more diversity among the broadcasters, uh, maybe there could be some additional efforts behind, the, so behind the camera. I'm so of a teachable moment. Scenes. At this point, you know, if you, if you are of a certain race, you use the word, it's gonna be a problem. Tired of a teachable moment. If 
if I were to get up here and say some things, you know, it, it'd be a problem. If you know whether it be you know the Jewish race or what, it'd be a problem. Yeah, like, but, but it's a problem. But, but, you part, should but part of the problem now. is a teachable moment. Part of the problem is we give folks liberties. We we've, we've been giving out too many conditional use permits to the family cookout. We are and, some forgiving and, folks. And, and now you know people are taking liberties and they're saying things that create harm. And so I'm just saying you know the apology was mediocre in, 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 in my view, but mm -hmm. to me it's going to be what does he do to repair the harm uh, ongoing, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, you know okay. and only he can, can uh, uh, you know, demonstrate what's in his heart moving forward. Speaking of somebody who has a lot of heart, mm. Bronny James commits to fight on as the oldest son of LeBron has announced his plans to attend the University of Southern California. Wah, wah, it, wah. That was, don't want that. Don't want <laughs> that. That's, that's your spot. He that's announced spot. this in an Instagram post on Saturday. Fight on, hashtag committed, is what he captioned in the post using the school slogan. Bronny included a photo of himself donning his high school uniform while wow. standing in the Trojans locker room. Wow. I know Know it well. Wow. Welcome to the Trojan family. Wow. It, just listen, mom had a lot to say about it. So did dad across social media. It's it's a wonderful moment. And then I kept thinking how dad, LeBron, you know, is trying to hold out, you know, until son son uh, gets to the league. I don't know. He's playing great in the in this semifinal matchup, but you can tell he's he's aged a bit. Um, if he can hold out another what two maybe four years before Bronny uh, gets to the league, if he gets to the league, I'm just playing devil advocate here. But um, it was a, it's a it's a great moment to see that next generation while yeah. while the current generation is still you know making moves and in history with what his dad has been able to accomplish yeah That's I mean ma major win for USC major win for for Los Angeles yeah. I mean Los Angeles sports teams you know we ain't playing with y'all you know the LA Lakers you mm -hmm. got the USC Trojans basketball team Clippers ain't bad you know Clippers ain't bad yeah, I baseball mean, team the I Dodgers mean, the legendary Dodge, we doing all right you have a have a big black population at USC we, is, is it, is it, well, what's big? Um, I mean, it's not as big as... Are y'all visible? We're visible. Um, okay. We're visible. We're yeah. visible. We're visible. And, uh, and the USC Black Alumni Association, I'm sure, is going to be celebrating yeah, this. Yeah, it's a great win. Yeah. All right, Bronny. This is great. And did you see Le LeBron James's post when he said, I'm so proud of you, son, mm. and the only words that I can think of right now is I love you. Oh, it was really you, sweet. But when you look back, you pull the layers off that story with, with LeBron and Savannah and, and where they started and all the criticism, mm -hmm. all the naysayers. This is a moment. It's a moment. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it, too. Yeah. Well, the U.S. Surgeon General recently declared widespread loneliness, the latest mm -hmm. public health epidemic sweeping across the nation. The report suggests almost half of U.S. adults experience some form of loneliness and says the health risks posed uh, could be as deadly as smoking a dozen cigarettes a day and this report from the Surgeon General is causing concern especially in the black community mm. joining us now is Natalie Patterson director of training and programs for beam thank you so much Hello. for being here on Fox Souls <laughs> black report you just beaming in I know look I know look you look, look beaming. I know I was gonna say she's looking like a, just a be a light guide us guide us Natalie all right okay. indeed before we get started let's define what what beam is tell us all about it. 
what it stands okay, for. Okay, well, we are the Black Emotional and Mental Health Collective. We are a national grant-making, movement-building, and training institution. We are dedicated and committed to the healing, wellness, and liberation of Black and marginalized folks. Mm, we love that. Snap we for love that. that. Snap we love for that. that. We love it. We love it. Well, uh, well, moving along, um, you know, we want to ask you: Is is loneliness a form of a mental health issue, you know, or is it something else? Well, first, I think it's important to just name that every single person has mental health. Mm-hmm. Mental health really includes your emotional, your psychological, and your social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act, right? So that's really a lot of things, and also includes how we handle stress. And so loneliness absolutely can impact our mental health outcomes, for sure. Yeah, so why is it important to continue to change the stigma around uh, mental, mental health? You know, I really think that it's important because when I think of the folks that I know and love, and I'm sure the folks you know and love, we want folks to be treated with dignity, to be supported when they need help, um, and not to be filled with shame, right? And so the only way that we can do that is to destigmatize mental health, to talk about it actively, Mm -hmm. um, and to really learn how to support each other. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate what what you're saying about shaking loose that shame because, you know, it can really paralyze mm-hmm. us um, and prevent us from being, you know, the highest, truest expression of ourselves. And so uh, with May being Mental Health Wellness Month, how can individuals develop a healthy self-care habit? Uh, and we know when we develop healthy self-care habits, that leads to healthy community care habits. But tell us, how do we start? Well, I think really it's important to name that we already have coping strategies. There's things that each of us do already. And it's also really important to acknowledge that there's probably some other things that we could be doing better, right? Um, We know on days when we're specifically low, getting outside is helpful to us, right? Being in community, talking to people who love and support us. Um, I do things like breath work, right? Focusing Mm. on my breath. It's a small, small thing that every single person um, can do, right? I get massages. I use Mm. the feelings wheel, which is a tool that's on our website. um, That is an opportunity really just to name and claim that we have feelings we're impacted by them and then have the opportunity to make choices about how we want to proceed once we acknowledge that we do have these feelings. Yes, massages. <laughs> even, even, if, even if it's a quick 10 minute, you know, I, you know I know I need about a good hour and a half yeah. or so, but uh-huh. even if it's just a quick 10 minute, quick, quick one where you sit in the chair mm-hmm. or if you have this long drawn out, a massage for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so as, a, as a mental health advocate, how do you keep yourself uh, motivated? You know, heavy is the crown, you know, and, and what, is, what is Black Healing Remixed? What is that? What is that all about? So I keep myself motivated because I'm in community, right? Mm. I am around and supported by people who love and see me fundamentally, who remind me who I am and whose I am. And I think (laughs) that's really, really an important component of, you know, how I can navigate my own um, mental health and and wellness, really. Um, I love that you mentioned Black Healing Remixed um, because it is a summit that we do every single year. It's an opportunity to invite community to reimagine what healing together can look like. Mm. We recognize that ancestral wisdom is a part of our culture. We honor that our grandparents and our aunties and our parents taught us really amazing things. And we're growing up in a time that never existed before, right? And so there might be new things we need, new strategies, new coping mechanisms. And so Black Healing Remix is really an opportunity to come together 
we have a panel discussion, we have healing-centered activations um, and activities, we have a kid's zone and music and food always um, and gifts. So it's gonna be a really amazing, amazing summit this year. I love it, I love it. And it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the smallest things, yeah. you know, that, that speak to connection, like, you know, putting little sugar in the greens. Now, even though I don't follow my grandmother's suggestion, it's just about connection and passing on those narratives that really can help uh, when you talk about uh, emotional and, and mental well-being. I, I love that. Thanks mm -hmm. for mentioning that. I love that. I'm yeah. sure my mom is watching this right now and she's <laughs> she's double clicking on the ancestral wisdom. Yes. <laughs> she is very much te teach them well, let them lead the way, mm -hmm. uh, as the great Wendy Houston would say. Uh, so tell us, how can people stay connected to Beam and, and register to attend Black Healing Remix? Remix, sounds that like, sounds that amazing. That is a party with a purpose. Catch a flight. It is it is absolutely a party with a purpose. We have some amazing, amazing folks that will be in the house with us. You can stream it digitally um, and or show up in person That's in Los right. Angeles. Um, you can go to our website, remix.beam.community to learn more, our website, beam.community, or of course, on Instagram, underscore beam.org. That's amazing. We love what you're doing. Yes. This, is, this is this is really incredible That's stuff. That's good trouble. And, and, and especially considering, you know, the darkest days of the pandemic, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, now they're sort of fading behind us. But, you know, before we go, you know, um, you know, can you share with us, you know, you know, are there any lessons that you gleam that really help to sort of shape Beam 2.0 <laughs> as we move forward? You know, any lessons that you've gleaned from the darkest days of the pandemic? You know, we rest on that we know that our folks deserve to be held in dignity. Mm -hmm. We know that we are better together. We know that in community, so much is possible. Um, and really learning from our ancestors, learning yeah. for the, from the folks that came before us. These are all things that we can learn, that we know, um, and sometimes are hard to access, but um, you know, really engaging our mental health, engaging daily practices, mm -hmm. um, and and continuing to go back into community and be loved and supported and showing that love and support for others is really what we continue to come back to. Yeah, and even throughout uh, the pandemic, unfortunately, we were still dealing with uh, what people are calling uh, an epidemic, which is these mass shootings and the fallout and how desensitized we have become. Mm -hmm. Allen, Texas, over the weekend became the 190. 99th um, mass shooting. Your advice, uh, Natalie, on how how we can stay sensitive, how we how we do process it, how we just not stroll past it or scroll past it, rather on social media and just keep it moving. We you know we, we're taking this in, uh, whether it involves our community or not. A little bit on how we process that. You know, the thing that I say number one is remember your boundaries. Mm. Right, mm -hmm. We are inundated with so much content each day. Mm -hmm. It is challenging for any human to process these kind of awful occurrences. Yeah. Um, and so number one, being mindful of yourself, right? There are days when I absolutely can engage and be on the front lines of these conversations. And there are other days when I absolutely cannot, right? And that's okay, right? And that is absolutely mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. It is knowing what feels good and right for you, having a practice of checking in with your emotional well-being. Um, you know, for me, it's having a therapist, it's having a community and a council of wise support. Um, and I think it's really about just continuing to engage 
your emotional experience and being honest about what feels good and right for you in this moment. Mm. We love yes. what you're doing. We love the movement that you're building. Please, please, please come back again to Fox Souls Black Report again very soon. Yeah, Natalie Patterson, we appreciate you so much. You're an official soulmate, girl. We definitely got to have you back. Just love the okay. energy. The energy is amazing. <laughs> and you look super cute. You're beaming. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, there's more to come on Foxhole's Black Report, including new music from one of the greatest to ever do it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Goodness. We'll tell you when fans can expect new music from the one and mm -hmm. only Prince. Yeah. We'll be right back. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. Miss him. Welcome back to Fox Hills Black Report. Well, track star Shakari Richardson won first place in the 100 meter race at the Doha Diamond League, mm -hmm. setting a personal record of 10.76 seconds. That is fast. Good Lord, she's My fast. Lord, in an interview, uh, Richardson expressed that she has found her peace back on the track and is not letting anything take it from her. She was disqualified for, from competing in the Tokyo Olympics, you may remember, after testing positive for marijuana, but now she looks forward to competing more on the global stage, including the 2024 Paris Olympics. That's right. Richardson also made headlines last year after suggesting there was a racial difference in the way that she was treated mm. compared to a Russian figure skater who was busted in a doping scam. And let me say, I, I love the color, uh, but there's a there's a picture, an actual picture right there of uh, her style for this particular race. It was a beautiful, long braided ponytail. She just she just looked peaceful. Uh, she ran with a lot of ease. Now, I am no way a track and field expert. I'm just a, a great fan mm -hmm. and a spectator. But just the way she she just moved throughout this entire uh, competition, you can tell there's been some sort of a shift. And and critics are saying, or the, the press is saying that this is probably the biggest win of her career aside from the derailed um, uh, Olympic uh, trials uh, in Japan. So big ups for her for, you know, yeah. we just talked about, you know, mental, mm -hmm. mental, the, the May is mental uh, awareness a month and, and she is uh, looking as though she's going to come, she's coming out on top as a prime example mm -hmm. of, of how you can shift that thing. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, she's just another reminder of, of how, you know, where you start is not necessarily where you, where you finish. finish. Literally and speaking. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's really great to see her finding her stride. I keep keep doing this all day. <laughs> um, she is really finding her stride. Yeah. Um, she seems to have moved on mm -hmm. from the disappointment mm -hmm. uh, in the Tokyo Olympics. And, and I hear accountability, too. There's some accountability. That's so important. You know? That's so and it's important. also translating to her performance, right? Mm -hmm. And so to you, the point you made about the importance of mental health mm -hmm. and being able to reset and get into the right space, mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, you are healthy and you are engaging in self-care and doing all the things, you know, look at how that's making a difference and, in how she shows it. And as a culture, especially when you when you factor in social media, let's not be so quick to just tear mm -hmm. you know people apart. We have all made some very drastic uh, choices and decisions that didn't yield the results or that we had to deal with the consequences. And, and I liken this to uh, the the young uh, gymnast who just got married, Simone. And mm -hmm. and they tearing the girl up because she wore her natural hair uh, for her wedding. I didn't see the problem. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. But you know, for her to have to take a moment out of her moment 
moment of bliss and love to say, you know, I'm wearing my hair the way I want to wear my hair. You know, it, it really speaks to how quick we are sometimes as a culture to cut people down, mm -hmm. to not know the full story and not just, you know, you don't have to always understand the situation, but give the people the grace that you would want if, if you had found yourself in something a little twisted. So treat know, another, people yeah, as you like to be too. treated. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. give, give folks a little grace. Yeah. And look what grace can do, because this girl is on point, and she just looks wonderful. Keep that ponytail, girl. The ponytail was Grace looking beautiful. good on you, yes, Shikari. Yes, yes. All right, so let's move to the baseball world, uh, especially in the Bay Area. Ding, ding, mm -hmm. ding, ding, ding. Somebody's hometown. They've just been stunned by the death of baseball legend Vita Blue over the weekend. Blue died Saturday from complications uh, due to cancer. He started his career with the Oakland A's, and in the 1970s won three world championships. That is amazing. He also played for the San Francisco Giants twice. Blue is a six-time All-Star. Uh, he won the 1971 American League Cy Young Award for Best Pitcher, as well as Most Valuable Player. Vita Blue was just 73. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, what an incredible life, what an incredible contribution. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he will go down as one of the more consequential yeah. uh, baseball players um, uh, of our time. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's a lot of love and a lot of respect, particularly in the Bay Area, because he's remained connected mm -hmm. to the Oakland A's for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's sad to see him go, but uh, his memory, I think, will be seared yeah. in, in uh, the memory of so many of us uh, for generations to come. Yeah, and stay tied to that community even as he moved on to another team, that being um, the Giants. Look, I, I, you know, you hate to hear about the loss, and it sounded like it caught people off guard. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people are choosing to, you know, keep their challenges uh, very private, and so sometimes we don't know about them until, you know, something has transpired. But, you know, just to be able to Google mm -hmm. uh, and learn more about him, uh, you know, I was born in 71, so I wasn't too familiar with his career, but when you look back on it and what he was able to accomplish, and this is coming off of the civil rights movement, we all know the history of the Negro League and all of the challenges that those players had. So to be able to soar and accomplish so much, even in that 70s era, yeah. uh, is is just, it's, it's unmatched, mm -hmm. you know, unmatched. That's right. Yeah. Well, may he rest in peace, mm -hmm. but moving along, if Mary J. Blige couldn't do enough for the culture. <laughs> she couldn't do enough for the culture. She's gone ahead and started a new scholarship for HBCU students. Mary announced her HBCU Strength of a Woman Scholarship over the weekend, and the Pepsi company is already stepping up to support her by donating $200,000 towards the cause. The scholarship will go to one lucky HBCU student ahead of Mary's second annual Strength of a Woman Festival and Summit, go, you know, Mary, and that's go. her. Is that? I think that's the Met Gala uh, uh, look, giving uh -huh. us body, body. Mary's Mary's about about a month older than me, so this is this is fifty two, darling. Oh, okay. This 52. is fifty two, right, darling. We, we see you fifty two. Either a month or a year. I think it's a month, but fifty two, darling. Early fifties, let's say that. Uh -huh. But listen, Mary. Speaking of, you know, cutting people down and, and canceling culture, Mary is one that you just don't. I don't care if she does do summer. You don't talk about Mary. You don't touch Mary. You would. Get your feelings hurt. If you talk about Mary, there are just some people. She's she going to put you in a song. Who are part of the culture who you just don't mess with. And speaking of a journey, 
You know, I can remember my early days in radio, being at all the little radio jams and, and you know, being backstage in the green room. And, and Mary was, you know, she was, you know, there was some challenging points, you yeah. know, in her life. And just to see her, you know, kind of, again, shift. Yeah you know, and, and be so honest and transparent about it. Yeah, and speaking of a shift, it's nice to see folks sort of, you know, shifting in gear to, you know, love on our HBCUs, mm -hmm. right? We've certainly reported on folks like Taraji P. Henson, who's been mm -hmm. bringing the love back to yeah. HBCUs like Howard and Morgan State, among others. Um, and so it's great to see, you know, Mary following in the, the, that same vein, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, um, you know, our kids need our support yeah you know and you know these are the same folks who have been person albums that have made her a fixture in our culture well at this and so point these it's are great the to see her giving back you know in this way those scholarships are going to make a big difference for young women for young women at hbcus at this point these kids were probably conceived off of mary's music uh -oh. we, talk, we talking about early 90s these kids probably weren't born to the 80s sometimes so they might be here because or the 2000s, they might be here because of Mary. My mind is still stuck. I'm still thinking the 90s was just 10 years ago. But these babies in college were born, what, in the in the 2000s, yeah, right? Yeah, Oh, God, I'm so old. <laughs> okay, it's, it's new, so good, it should come with a kiss. Wow, Prince could uh, be giving us new music. Can you believe it? From, from, the, from the heavens, from the heavenlies, uh, the estate. Uh, for the artist is expected to reveal unreleased music. The songs will be unveiled at the annual Paisley Park celebration in Minnesota. This year marks seven years since we lost Prince and his family says this year's celebration will take place June 8th through the 11th and will be uh, themed around the number seven. How much do we miss this guy? And it wasn't until maybe after his passing when a lot of people found out how big of a philanthropist he was mm -hmm. and how much he would just give money to those in need and and you wouldn't even know it paying for funerals and things of that mm -hmm. nature especially with the you know up the racial uh, uprising it was he's he was he's he's a, he's missed in all kinds of different areas and aspects of, of black culture of our culture he's he's missed but he is still omnipresent mm -hmm. you know and so to your point to hear black lives matter organizers mm -hmm. you know talk about the support that they receive from Prince, um, mm -hmm. to hear luminaries you know uh, talk about their relationship with Prince, you know, Tavis Smiley, one of my friends, uh, you know, is was very close mm -hmm. with Prince, yep. and to hear some of the stories, you know, um, uh, of adventures with Prince over the years, you know, it's pretty incredible. So my so, mom has a girlfriend whose husband, grandmother, and Prince's grandmother were sisters. So oh, that's wow. my that's my Prince connection. That's Isn't that something? That's pretty connected. So, you know, Prince is real regular in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But you really didn't hear about it until people really started showing, sh sharing uh, a lot of those personal stories. But uh, he regular. Yeah. He was regular. Well, we miss in, him. In, but a, in, a, in, a, in a cultural sense. But we, we miss we him. Miss but but uh, now we have something else to look forward to. Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Another one of those musical geniuses. That's right. Well, All right. Up next, it's our favorite segment. That's right. You guessed it. Black excellence. We're going to tell you about this young lady who didn't let her circumstances hold her back from absolute greatness, almost perfection. I know that's hard to achieve, but wait till you hear about this GPA. You're watching Fox Hills Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fox Hills Black Report. Mm -hmm. Well, Jasmine Mazard Larry is set to graduate as valedictorian 
with an 8.07 GPA from Baton Rouge, Louisiana High School. She did this all while despite being homeless after losing everything in a fire. I've never heard of that before, mm. 8.07 GPA. Yeah. Jasmine and her family also faced financial difficulties and the loss of her father, but despite the setbacks, Jasmine, who you see here, remained focused on her studies and refused to let the tragedy define her as she continued to excel academically and was determined to achieve her goals. In addition to academic achievements, Jasmine was also involved in the marching band and volunteering in her community. She plans to attend Louisiana Indiana State University in the fall wow. to study biochemistry. We could not be prouder of her. It's just another example, Courtney, mm. of, you know, sometimes we walk around and we see people that are unhoused mm -hmm. or homeless. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we forget that that's a human being. Mm -hmm. And if they're a human being, they should be afforded dignity. They're a human being. They have a God-given potential. And so it's great to see her express that potential. I've never seen an 8.07 GPA how in my even, entire how life. How do you even calculate that? That's like two curriculums. So was she taking like two different curriculums? Probably taking a lot of AP classes and, and what, honors classes. Yeah, so but even get, with that, I've never I, heard, I've heard maybe a four, like a 4.5, maybe almost like a 5.0, but that sounds like two different curriculums joined together and four-pointed two different curriculums. It sounds like black genius. But as the streets would say, the way she pushed through, you yeah. know, um, you know, with, with this, the amount of loss, you know, physical loss, they lost everything yeah. in that fire, all of their possessions, and then the emotional loss with the dad. Uh, amazing. Congratulations to that young lady. Yeah. For the full rundown on today's stories like that one, you can access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our partners, and you can even access past uh, shows. And we'd love to have you along 24-7. All you got to do is download the Fox app. It is absolutely free. It has been absolutely our pleasure today. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Delight Corte. On behalf of the entire team right here at Fox O's Black Report. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> stay lifted. And stay safe, for sure.